Hi everyone and welcome to Rupert and Shraddha talking about our passion topic, Unpacking Organizations. Unpacking Organizations, the Practitioner's Podcast. Sponsored by OrgView, see tomorrow's business today. Hi Shraddha, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Hi Rupert. Great to see you. So we um, were chatting earlier about people going through big transformation where you have an, an as is and you build a baseline then you go through and you define your to be and you go through this big transformation, this big change, this big shock. Um, and then when that's done, you declare success and then get on with life. And we've talked a lot about how in doing this, once you finish and you've got the 2B and you declare success, a year or two later, all the costs, all the changes, all the improvements are sort of undone and um, you end up in the same place and you go through another big piece of heart surgery and transformation. And so why, why do you think it is that people are like this? And what do you think is the the dangers and impact of this before we get to maybe an alternative way? Sure. I think that's the reality today. There are so many places and not just today, like as I was management consultant, um, helping all the other clients go through their transformation. And even before that, as an internal consultant, I've always felt that we gravitate towards a big change uh, or a big transformation, which takes itself like, multi-years for big organizations to come through. And then um, either we celebrate the success too much or we are already like by the end of it are like, this is not done. And, you know, this did not yield the results that we wanted it to yield. So just breathe out, take a day off and let's start doing it again. And the danger of that is that the, there is an immense amount of fatigue that happens in the organization, for sure. People get very anxious because with any big transformation, there are role changes, there are transitions out, um, there are changes in the jobs. And so that gets um, the good part of us. And so the work pauses and everybody's only thinking about the transformation and where their place is in the transformation. And because of all of that, what happens is that the, the main idea behind the transformation is to create long-term capability or to create a space or a system to build the long-term capability. That totally gets out of the way or out of the window. Like nobody's thinking about how do we actually build long-term capability. People are only thinking about how do we, you know, count the beans and get things right. And what happens, like if we do it right, like what, 20% of the transformations are called success. So if that you are in that single double digit of success stories, we just start to police that whole structure with so much of might that even if there is a change needed because of the natural evolution of the macro micro factors, we just are not ready to do that because you're so like, um, so fatigued and tired. Exactly. So fatigued and tired, plus also so much uh, invested into that structure that you yep. don't want to change anything. You're like, this is working. I don't want to do it. And yep. so by the time you start um, uh, 
becoming lenient about things or evolving with it, it's time for another big transformation because you've not evolved it in the way that it was meant to evolve. You were just holding on to not changing because you just went through so much of change. So there is a lot of things to unpack. And these are the dangers that typically we see. It's like the typical cycle that any organizations go through. And I think it's important to break that cycle. So today... Let's talk about that, Rupert. Um, I know that you have specifically um, in one of your beliefs, like you have, this is a big block or big rock in your belief system. So let's talk a little bit about that, that what do you believe in around always on mindset of transformation? Yeah, no, thank you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's my, my third belief. Um, and it's really the world is constantly changing and change is always there. There's always great opportunities to take advantage of. There's always challenges that we have to react to and deal with. Or, and, and, and so the idea that we live in this world where it's a cycle and it's kind of a as is, understand the as is, which is for a lot of organizations, very time consuming and, and, and expensive. Then design the 2B based on our change um, criteria and what we're trying to achieve and then do that and then the exhaustion and the fatigue and the disruption and then you know for that I need to repeat and and what I hear from clients over and over again and I, I know you've seen this many times as well is the the benefits either don't come or if they do come they that they get eroded quite quickly actually and and so the the third belief is it's ongoing you know and we can use different labels it's it's continuous transformation continuous change um always on and 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 therefore you need a capability to be always on and that, that first capability is having a baseline that's always up to date the data is always there so when you're needing to make the changes which are continuous you can you can do that with relatively little pain. And I think the other thing is positioning this as a positive thing rather than a negative thing. I, I think the word transformation is a euphemism is quite a negative word. Um, a little bit like right sizing, which we'll talk about in, in another podcast is, is really a euphemism for downsizing and restructure. And even org design is really regarded negatively because it's uh, org design, you mean riffing and cutting. And, and so I think there's, there's a hearts and mind piece here, which is, no, we're constantly making things better. We, we can react to the opportunities. And I, I think there's also understanding a strategy evolves as well. And because there are always lots of new opportunities, it's not a static thing. And there's a little bit of a misunderstanding that our strategy is long-term and tactics is short-term. And and if you if you read the, the work say of Richard Rummold, um, you know he he talks about designing a strategy and the strategy is constantly evolving because the, the the key crux the key challenge you're facing is is evolving as well, and and so the world is dynamic, business is dynamic, and therefore the strategy is dynamic, and therefore the org design capability, the transformation capability has to be dynamic. No, I mean, um, I just wanted to take a pause because you had um, mentioned so many good things. So I wanted to just um, uh, 
pause and hone on it further for our listeners. So a couple of things that I really picked on it is that first, it is a positive thing. Always on transformation is connoted with fatigue and um, like, you know, um, not a good thing for the organization because the organization's uh, culture gets eroded, people get fatigued. But if we start to think about transformation in small chunks and as a continuous improvement rather than big disruptions in heart and brain surgeries, that's when it starts to become a positive connotation. And that's when people get excited about it because they see growth, they see meaning, they see understanding of doing that. So that's that was helpful. The other is about having a baseline. If your data is always um, not correct, then it's G-I-G-O, like garbage in, garbage out. So you really don't know what you are actually transforming towards. The from to statements also don't make any meaning because your baseline is not right. So that was a big takeaway for me. And the final thing I would say is that maybe these transformations, which were like five to seven year cycles, would have worked in two decades back, where our business cycles were a little bit slower. But now, in the last five years, we have seen so much that people actually, a generation takes like almost a generation to see. But we have seen those cycles move so fast that to your point, it really resonated with me that we had to evolve with our strategy. There was a great resignation and then there was a recession and then there was like, you know, everything was happening in six to eight months and all the strategy had to be evolved based on that. So we cannot think about five, 10 horizons anymore. So I just wanted to highlight all the good points you just mentioned. Uh, it resonated a lot with me. Thanks, Shada. And, 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 and so then it's really a context for how. So this, keeping the baseline up to date, hmm. how do you track the benefits of what you're trying to achieve if your baseline isn't up to date and the data is not always on either? So if, if you don't have the data up to date, then you can't track the value anyway. So it's, it's kind of a double whammy. You can track. And if you're tracking, then you can see what's working and what's not working. So again, that's the feedback loop for improvement. And I, I do think there's a metaphor here with um, the concept of lean and, and what how Toyota evolved. And, and so what, what Toyota was doing, I guess, in the 80s, was this constant improvement process of reviewing what's working, what's not, in quick iterations. And that's how high-performing organizations also operate. So if you look at um, in sport, there's a lot said for these high-performing teams, and they're always eking out the 1%, the 1%. I mean, there's so much written about this. Uh, British cycling is a really good example of that. And, and so that's that constant feedback loop which is similar to, to the lean principle. So always on, you know, and, and, and a lot of these words are, are, are buzzwords over the, you know, lean was a buzzword five, six years ago. Certain consulting firms were hiring people from Toyota and investing in the lean institute. And, you know, the, the underlying principle is still a very good principle, which is, you know, plan to review. You do so, you, you plan to do something, you do it and you say, what was the impact of that? And you iterate. 
And Absolutely. The, the, if I can add one more thing here is that sometimes organizations have to watch out that there is an analysis paralysis into this as well. So they ask for data, they plan for it, they review the data, and then they start to split the hair around it. I think the idea is that you should be courageous enough to make the decisions and move on. And many a times people want to do constant uh, continuous improvement, but just are like only at the planning and analyzing stage and not doing stage. So that cycle also needs to be um, be mindful it's of. A, it's a great point. Don't don't let perfection be the enemy of the right. good. Um, right. Or it was Colin Powell who had the, the 40-70 principle. You need 40% of the information before you can make any decisions. But if you have more than 70%, you're probably too slow. Oh, um, that's interesting. And so he had this 40-70 and I think it's, it fits into that that mindset, which is really a mindset, right. which is dealing with ambiguity. When do you have enough confidence to act? And that you know, acting at speed uh, is a, can be a competitive advantage. And it doesn't have to be the heart. We talked about it: the macro versus the micro. A lot of this is the micro, so it's the constant improvement. Um, so yeah, this is. I think we're in a heated agreement on this. It's, it's interesting that I'm seeing more and more organizations talking to me about doing this and having this always on capability. Obviously, it's a central premise of this capability within having an OPNA function that gives you the capability of being always on. Um, I, I think the, the points you were making at the beginning, if, I, if we move to our key takeaways, I think it's the, thinking about it from the employee the people perspective of the challenge and the fatigue and the level of cynicism that people generate, which is here we go again. And, you know, people constantly use the metaphor changing chairs in the Titanic and what have you. And it's like they've just seen this movie too often and lose trust in leadership actually. And, and, you know, I saw a statistic, um, at a conference I was at that I forgot, I've forgotten the source of it. Um, but 28, only 28% of people who work are actually happy with the work they do in their jobs and are engaged. And isn't that I, very sad to hear? So sad. And I wonder this, how much of this constant, big disruptive transformation how much of a lever that is in making people so unhappy at work because you, things are just being thrown up in the air. Absolutely. So uh, let me ask you this question, Rupert, and maybe this is a topic for a different podcast. Who is responsible for that continuous improvement? F- fundamentally, mm-hmm. the CEO. Hmm. Fundamentally, the CEO is responsible um, and, it, and, it, and it goes through the entire management team. The, the, the CEO is responsible for developing the strategy, obviously with the team and the board has to approve that, but that's, that's on, on the plate of the CEO. Um, and the next thing that this, and, and by the way, that this is not, these are not my words, McKinsey, uh, a few of the McKinsey consultants wrote a, an excellent book called CEO Excellence. And it outlines the six responsibilities of the CEO. Number one, setting the strategy. Number two, org alignment. And within that, within org alignment was organization design. 
And so organization design and, and, this, and, and that is number the second responsibility of a CEO. I see it as the responsibility of the HR function to give the capability to help the leadership to, to, to do this. And therefore, I'm constantly surprised and maybe on another podcast, we should talk about what is the objectives of the HR function vis-a-vis and the priorities of HR. Because all too often, I think the priorities of HR don't align with the priorities of the business or the what, what the leadership team in, at the end of the day, the CEO needs. So Shraddha, do you agree that the, at the end of the day, it's the responsibility of the CEO? Absolutely. I think if this is not driven from top down, it does not drive that mindset at all. It's about mindset first and then the transformation and it has to come from the top. It cannot ever be bottoms up. I also feel fully in agreement that it has to be a responsibility for HR, uh, of HR. But I also feel that there should be a collective responsibility of the executive leadership team because what happens if the CEO and the HR is on aligned, there could be still misalignments in the executive leadership team that does not drive it to the place it should be. So it's a it's a proper way of cascading it down and having a really strong alignment from CEO to the next level and the next level and below. So definitely, I feel that it's not just alignment on the approach and the process, but it's in the alignment of the mindset that this is what we need to do and what does it look like for us. And this also then leaves us to uh, another topic, which is about how capable is our leaders now in today's world to lead in this always on transformation. It's a tough landscape to lead these days. And not everybody has that ambidexterity to be able to leaning in, but also being strategic about it, knowing the weeds, but also understanding to see the big picture. So I think it opens up a lot of uh, discussion points, but if it is not driven from the CEO, it just doesn't go anywhere. So what's your big takeaway from this session? I think the biggest takeaway that I would like to ask is always on transformation is not negative thing. Until you make it so big, hairy and scary stuff that people just people don't want to talk about it or do anything with it. Always on improvement or always on evolution is a natural thing for an organization. And we should find ways to do that better and say that with positive connotation, that yes, we are always on, uh, rather than saying that we are always on transformation and we are just getting burned out. So that's my takeaway. It's more on a philosophical note. So yeah. yeah. Thank you. I think my other one, if I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's having the data at your fingertips. Have the data live. I love that. And and that just gives you the speed to react and and, and to make the changes and to take advantage of opportunities, you know, and that's the positive side. And and a lot of the burden is dealing with building a baseline and da-da-da and cleaning and it's just and it's a one-off and we've both done it it's so painful um if it's just it should just be at your fingertips you know we're in 
2023 now, like not having the data at your fingertips is, uh, that, that, that's, that's unforgivable really in, in, the, in this day and age. So I, I love it. I, I think if I can say one like takeaway is that um, there are many takeaways from it. But one thing which I say is that if you are not able to click on a button and download your baseline, then you have some problem. Like whatever tool you have, you should be able to go there and just say that download baseline and you should be able to download that. And if you don't have this, first do that transformation, then go on any other. Well, build that capability so it's just there. Right. Build that capability. Have that capability. Right. Um, Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much.